Doug Colbert and Billy Martin, and the Yankees want the bat. Look at Martin. Well, what they're talking about, Frank, is that he's got too much fine tire, and uh, you've got to have a certain amount of distance from the trademark of the bat and the fine tire. And Nettles is leaving the field as if the game is over. Oh, he's just coming in. I'm not sure. Uh, they might have a legitimate uh, gripe. They might be going to call George Brett out. Well, the end is win. He's out. Yes, sir. Brett is out. Look at, look at this. Brett is out. And he's demon back. He is out. And having to be forcibly restrained from hitting plate umpire Tim McClellan. And welcome back to another episode of Too Much Podtar. As we, you know, last week we kind of took a week off. We didn't get enough people to be on the pod, so we just skipped the week. But I have with me today, I'm Alex Kier, as always, your host. And today I have uh, Gio D'Amico back on the pod with me as he he was on on a, uh, on a trip for the past couple of weeks. So how was that trip, Gio? Very good. good. I wish I was still there, but yeah. <laughs> And then uh, Johnny Black, the Scorecrow creator, and you know he's he's been putting a lot of work in. He had he worked 27 hours the past two days, which he's been he told us before the pod started. So I know he's been been getting under like a lot of pressure, but you know that happens. Life happens. So hey, how's everything else going besides that, Johnny? Oh, it's good. I mean, the work you know it sucks working, but you know what? It's overtime, so. I can yeah. use it. <laughs> I can, can always use the extra cash. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so, you know, All-Star break is just a few days away now. It's Well, this is going to be – it starts on, on Monday with the Home Run Derby. And, and, you know, it's exciting here. We're halfway through the season. And, you know, we kind of talk about some of the stuff that, you know, first we can go over and talk about midseason, who, who we have our midseason awards as and some other stuff. And so I guess we can we can start off with our who our picks for midseason MVP are. So, uh, Gio, do you want to go with yours first? Sure. Um, for AL, it wasn't really much of a debate for me. You got to go with the old standby, Mike Trout. I mean, he just does it all. He hits for average. He's got 25 home runs, unless he hit another one tonight. I'm not sure if he did, but I let's see. No, not so far. So he's hitting 299, 26 home runs, so I guess he did. And uh, 88 hits, 294 at-bats. He's got a 5.7 war and a uh, OPS plus of 187. The average for OPS plus is 100, so that means he's 87 points above average, above replacement. That's pretty amazing. That's hard to beat. He's got an on-base percentage of 454, so he basically gets on base one one out of every two times he's up. You know, just barely missing that. Mm-hmm. Slugging six thirty three. It's like you can't really ask for more. And he's a, a he's an average defender. I mean, I feel like he gets like too much hype as a defender. But if you look at the statistics, he's an average defender, which is good enough for how he plays on offense. So he's just doing everything right right now. And I can't really think of anyone else you could give it to. I mean, you could argue DJ Lemayhu, but I don't see that. Uh, what he's doing stay consistent and there's really no one else I would even consider people are say Xander Bogarts I just don't see it it's it's Mike Trout right now and 
when we're talking NL MVP, this this was a really tough one for me. I had to dive into it. I mean, I it was between obviously Cody Bellinger saying three forty four with thirty home runs, and Christian Yelich who's hitting three twenty five with thirty one home runs. And right now, I decided to give it uh, to Cody Bellinger, not just because of uh, his lead and average, but just overall, his OPS plus is at 196 right now compared to Yelich's, let's see here, Yelich's 186, 4.8 war for Yelich, 6.7 war for Cody Bellinger, and this is offensive war. Um, I mean, they're very comparable right now. I could see the argument for either, but right now, Bellinger's still swinging it. At one point, he was over 400 for a consistent amount of time. We all knew that wouldn't stick, but the fact that he's above 340 is still impressive for someone who hit 260 last year and kind of struggled. So OPS of uh, one point or of 1146 basically. Uh, so that's impressive. It's hard to top that right now. Christian Yelich 1132, so it's pretty close race still. Josh Bell, another guy you could argue, but he doesn't have quite as much production as the other two. Unless you're looking at RBIs. When we're talking about RBIs, Josh Bell has 84 of them. And he is hitting 308, 27 home runs, 84 RBIs. It's a three-man race right now, but Cody Bellinger's leading that race. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that, too. My my pick for NL MVP is also Bellinger. It's also, as as you said, Gio, the uh, three-man three race for me with Bellinger, Yelich, and Bell. You know, it just... It'll be exciting to see that race play out for the rest of the year. They've all, they've all been playing, performing very well this year. And you know, Yelich coming back after his MVP season last year, it's I'm kind of surprised how he's been able to keep it up this year. He's just been, you know, it, it, I didn't think he'd putting up numbers this this well, like this far, like like this far into the season, because he just kind of picked up where he left off and just hasn't stopped really. Yeah, still. I know. Yeah. And then just for the for the AL MVP, just for the kind of the sake of arguing, I, I'm going with DJ LeMahieu for my MVP for first half. I'm not saying he's leading right now for the whole in, in the like the entire season MVP, but I think he's just what he's been able to do for like for the Yankees this year, hitting almost five hundred with runners in scoring position this year. And, you know, he's leading I know it's not everything, but he's leading in, bat, uh, in batting average for the AL. Uh, he's leading in hits. He's also four. Right, I think right now he's fourth in OPS and second in RBIs. If, uh, but you know, just I I would say for like the full season, he's right now he'd probably be second or third in MVPs. But I think just for this first half, it's I think he's kind of maybe a little bit ahead of. Trout just kind of just because what he's being able to do for the Yankees. The most impressive thing about LeMahieu is the amount of RBIs he drives in from the leadoff position. I mean, yeah. that also shows good on the bottom of the Yankees lineup getting on base for him to uh, drive them in. So, yeah, I could see the argument for that. It's close right now. Yeah, it's definitely close. And then obviously, I don't think he's going to keep it up the, for the, like the whole entire season. So that's why I'm saying. Only for first half, not for the like the whole season. So. Mm-hmm. Well, if you if you use that argument for for Lemayhu as far as what he's done for his team, that's part of the reason why I would say Yelich in the NL 
Mm-hmm. Now I know Bellinger's Bellinger's been incredible. Yelich isn't far behind. I mean, they're comparable offensively. Bellinger's a better fielder. Mm-hmm. Yelich also has 19 yeah. stolen bases. Yeah. So mm-hmm. take the base running and the fielding, okay. And the hitting is almost the what. But what Yelich has done for Milwaukee, the fact that they're in a virtual tie for the division lead, and the fact that the Dodgers are 15 games ahead of the Rockies with the best record in the major leagues. If you're going to, you're going to say like someone like LeMahieu and I'm not arguing LeMahieu. I'm just saying, cause I know how important he's definitely been the most important player on the Yankees. Gary Sanchez, a close second, mm-hmm. but if you're going to use that same argument, I would, I would use that same argument in the NL and I would have to go with Christian Yelich because without Christian Yelich, Milwaukee might be in fourth or fifth place in the NL central. Mm-hmm. Without Cody Bellinger on the Dodgers, they'd probably still be in first place. Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I look at with, with all things being considered, obviously MVP has always been basically the best player in the league. You know, I guess it's most valuable player, and you can argue how important the value of it is. I think the value is more of a tiebreaker at this point. And that's why Trout is in the top two like every year. You know, because he's just the best player in the world, you know. But I, I, I would use that same argument with Christian Yelich because I think Christian Yelich has been more valuable with with all things being considered and their stats being comparable. I would say Christian Yelich is, is more valuable of a player to his team than Cody Bellinger is. Not taking away anything away from Bellinger because mm-hmm. he's been awesome. Yeah. But, you know, that was just my opinion for the NL. For the AL, it's got to be Trout. I mean, it's not – I don't know, man. I don't, I don't even think it's close. The only other guy I would consider is probably Alex Bregman, especially going forward because I looked at his status. Bregman's got a 242 BABIP, which is insane, mm-hmm. insanely low. Mm-hmm. Yeah, You know, and it's contributing to his – like I think his average batting average is like 263. So I yeah. think that's hurting him, mm. but he's an excellent fielder. He's a good base runner. He walks. His walk to strikeout ratio is actually better than Trout's. So mm. I mean, this kid and this kid's gonna be. He's gonna be an MVP sooner or later. And honestly, his underlying stats this year, if he goes back to like his BABIP gets back up to like the two ninety three hundred where it should be, and everything, the average should also go back around that point. And if he keeps walking at an 18% clip and only striking out at like 13, 14, I, I, I don't know. He, you know, he's, he's something special, Bregman. You know, so I just wanted to throw him in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, even with, even with a 242 BABIP and a 263 average, he's still got a 3.6 war. I, I went by Fangraph's war. But, of course, Trout's got a six. So, I mean, it's not. And the, the funny thing is, too, the comparison I wanted to make between both, as far as war goes with F war, with fan graphs, Bellinger is 5.8, Yelich is 4.9, Trout is six. Mm-hmm. But we talk about Bellinger and Yelich, like, look at the year that Bellinger is having. It's so amazing and everything. Like, if they get all the hype, and Trout just does what he does and is the man, you know, <laughs> best player in the league. He's. he's it's it's incredible that he just doesn't even get any pub anymore. Mm. I hate you to know be that he guy just does what he does. This. 
yeah, I hate well, to be the guy who says this because uh, some people are just going to disagree, but Tra- Mike Trout is still an underrated player just because of, like, how – like, people don't respect him because they don't see him on TV a lot, first of all. Second of I all, would agree with that. Yeah. And, and second of all, he – like, the production that he has consistently year after year just goes overlooked. All the hype right now is, like you said, around Yelich and Bellinger. And, yeah, they have higher batting averages and a few more home runs. But Mike Trout's without, – without Mike Trout, the Angels are sitting in last place and it's not even close right now. They don't have anybody oh, yeah. else that's like mm-hmm. – fla- they don't have any flashy players other than Shohei Otani, and he's not going to take that team out of the basement of the division. Like Mike Trout's one of the best players. If he keeps up his consistency how he's playing, he'll be one of the best players in baseball history, and I'm not hesitant to say that. So the fact that oh, he no still doubt. gets overlooked – uh, in some aspects, just as crazy to me. Well, I looked it up the other day. I, I think we were talking about it maybe on the chats or something. Mm-hmm. And Mike Trout, Mike Trout's going to be 28 years old next month. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's going to be 28. He is 72nd all time in war. It's insane. Like yeah. he's top 75 all time, and he's not even 28 yet. Yeah. If he keeps this production up, even for another five years at a 10 war per year, mm-hmm. that's 119, 120 war. Yeah. I mean, the dude at 32 years old could be top 10 all time. Yeah. That's insane. That's just yeah. that's just nuts. <laughs> it is. I mean, he we, we could be talking possibly, but I mean, we look at his contract that he just signed. If he plays it out now, we can't expect him to play to the level he does now 10 years from now, but we could be, we could be witnessing the best player ever. Yeah. It's, it's a real possibility. And Pete, yeah. And he still just doesn't, he's not something about Mike Trout isn't flashy and that's not a bad thing. There's just like, no, he's look, humble. He's just, yeah, he's just, yeah. goes out like, and plays. I feel like even if he was on a team like the Dodgers or something, it, he still wouldn't have the the stardom. Well, he has stardom, but he wouldn't be looked at like Cody Bellinger is because Bellinger's got like a little bit of swagger. You know, he's he's confident, and uh, you know everyone likes Cody Bellinger. Everyone likes Mike Trout too, but he plays on the wrong side of LA. But he's still in LA in the spotlight, and he manages to stay humble and to be a guy for the fans. Like how many big name baseball players over time? like sign autographs for pretty much every fan they see. And he's also going to be an angel for the rest of his career. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's oh, that, that says a lot. I mean, yeah. Barring trade, but he would have to, you know, he would have to approve it right. in another year or two. Well, with a 10, five rights anyway. So, and I'm sure he has no trade, but, mm-hmm. you know, so if he's, I mean, if he's, if he's the angel center fielder for 20 years and he puts like, he could put up like 130, 140 war, if, if not more. <laughs> I mean, seriously, we're, we're seriously talking about a top five player all time. Yeah. It's a shame that he hasn't had more playoff experience just because he doesn't have a team around him. Mm. Yeah. I was glad Otani joined the Angels because I wanted to see – you know, Mike Trout have some success built around him. Like as a Yankee fan, I knew there was no way he was coming to New York. That would just be too crazy. So the Angels would be my second pick, though, because I want to see Mike Trout and his team have success. 
And, you know, they've got a couple good guys in their system. They've got Joe Adele, who will be ready in probably two years, I would imagine. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like him uh, a lot. I love Joe Adele. He's one of my favorite yeah. prospects. Uh, he, you know, they've got some good stuff in the system. They've got this young kid, Griffin Canning, who knows how to pitch, that's for sure. Uh, he's His ERA is a little inflated right now, but he definitely has what it takes. So the organization's kind of looking in the right place right now. Once you ditch Pujols' contract, you'll really be able to do much more in free agency too. Right. Yeah. It's just a shame what ha- what's happened to the Angels too. I mean, yeah. you know, it's Tyler Skaggs this week was just like horrible. Yeah. yeah and it brought was... back a lot of memories of Nick Aidenhart back in 2009. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Luis Valbuena too. He, used to, he was an angel. He died. That's what? right. He was an angel. That's yeah. right. I think they were the last. I don't. Correct me if I'm wrong. I could be wrong, but I think the Angels were the last team he played for. So this organization's just like, I don't want to say curse, but that's how I saw some on the MLB network describe it. It's like they just have this thing about them. It's just they're like an un- It's unfortunate how they this yeah. is happening to them. Yeah, and then they get like you know, not just the unfortunate stuff like that. And that's of course it's horrible with Skaggs and Aiden Hart and Valbuena and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But even on the even on the baseball field itself, I mean, it, they've just been burned. Like yeah. with the Pujols contract, I mean, that, through their own stupidity in that sense. Yeah, but, it was not a good sign. You know, Pujols and then Josh Hamilton, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, back then too. Like they owed him $25 million a year for three years after he was gone. Like, I mean, they just – they hamstring themselves with these contracts. Yeah. You know, they, then- they need to get smarter about things. The Angels have never been, a, well, at least recently, haven't been a team to make a big trade splash either. They they always stay quiet around the deadline. I mean, they haven't really done anything to try to fix their pitching. Like their pitching staff just mediocre at best. Like I, Andrew Heaney's good when he's healthy, but he's not healthy very often. So uh, that's always going to be something that restricts them unless he can stay healthy. But then you got Griffin Canning. But then, you know, it kind of falls off after that especially after the after Tyler Skaggs that was just terrible like not even to bring baseball into it because that his life you know it's so much more important than just the game but there's just everything about the organization just I don't know it seems like they're just super unlucky yeah I'll even throw a couple other names out there Garrett Richards oh right I mean the dude was a stud when he pitched but he, he's still not healthy with the Padres. He was always – yeah, with the Padres, yeah. Well, the Padres signed him a two-year deal. They knew he was going to be out this year. Yeah. That's but, I mean, like he – Yeah, he was just like – I mean, he was lights out when he pitched. Yeah. Like incredible stuff. I remember seeing something on Garrett Richards about his spin rate. They had like a top spin rate on his like two-seamer. Yeah. Like in the league. Like in the, in the major leagues. Like he was, he was really – and he's still only 30 years old. Yeah, you know, and then you had another guy like uh, Matt Schumacher. Oh, geez, I forgot. Another that. guy that had like yeah. a year or two that he was like really good. He couldn't stay healthy, and now he's—I think he went to Toronto and he got hurt again this year. Yeah, he's out for the season for Toronto. Yeah, like I—they—they they just like—I don't know what it is with pitching with them, man. They just—I mean, like you said, obviously Aiden Hard, Tyler Skaggs—that's a different situation completely. Mm-hmm. I'm just talking about like on the field stuff and injuries and everything. Like it's just. I don't know. It just seems they can't. They just can't get any footing in the yeah. ALS. Like they yeah. just can't get any like anywhere. Uh-huh. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you guys want to move on to like the next next awards? Sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I guess we can move on to Cy Young. I guess uh, Johnny, you want to start with that one? All right. We'll go. We'll start with National League. Um, I have to. I have to go with Ryu from the Dodgers at this point. It's mm-hmm. close with Scherzer. Mm-hmm. I think the two of them. The two of them are really close. Ryu is just putting up insane numbers right now, though. You know, and Scherzer feels to me. I was looking back on it, and he, him to the Cy Young Award feels to me kind of like Trout with the MVP. Oh yeah, because <laughs> he's like the best pitcher in the. You know, Trout's the best player in the American League, but he doesn't always win the MVP. He finishes second half yeah. the time. Mm-hmm. You know, and Scherzer is kind of the same. He's been a top two finish for the sec- last six years. You know, and it just seems that he's that consistent guy. That's going to go out to 200 innings, strike out 270, you know, do his thing, pitch to like a two something, all right. You know, yeah. and Ryu this year, Ryu, Ryu 10 and 2 with a 1.73. He leads the league in ERA. He leads the league in ERA plus at 242. He leads the league in whip at 0.908. And he's got 99 strikeouts compared to 10 walks, which is insane. He, he's just. He he's just been he's been incredible this year. Now Scherzer, on the other hand, like we said, Scherzer's leads the league in a, with 170 Ks. He's got a 2.43. You know, it, it's it, it's like I said, like Scherzer is like Trout. You can give him the Cy Young. You can make an argument for him for the Cy Young every single year, mm-hmm. but there seems to be always someone there that puts up the season that challenges him and I think Ryu's that guy and as of right now if Ryu keeps that ERA below too I know ERA isn't everything and I know you know we can look at FIP and XFIP and CRA and all that stuff but I don't know with a 1.73 ERA and a 99 to 10 K to walk rate I mean granted Scherzer's got a 170 to 22 K to walk rate so it's not like it's that bad either no. but I I just think, you know, and Ryu's got 10 wins. If Ryu can, Ryu can pull a Blake Snell this year. You know, Snell won the AL side last year. If Ryu can have the same type of year, win 20 games, and have a sub-2 ERA, with that kind of strikeout to walk rate and that kind of whip, I, I think he'll win the, I think he'll win the side award. And I think he'll deserve it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as far as the AL goes, the AL's a little closer. Mm-hmm. Um, I have it as a three-team race. If I was going to call it right now, I probably would go Charlie Morton. But for me, it's between Morton, Giolito, and Cole. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Cole's. I think Cole's going to win it. Yeah, he's the only one out of those three that is severely underperforming his FIP and under performing everything else. He's been bitten by the home run bug. He's got almost a 20% home run to fly ball ratio this year, Cole. Yeah, that's insane. But but he's leading the league in strikeouts per nine, over 13 strikeouts per nine. I mean, his, 
His xFIP is two point six eight. His ERA is three point two eight. You know the other guys, their xFIPs. Let's see, Giolito two point seven two ERA xFIP three point eight three. So he's outperforming his numbers. Morton's two point three six ERA xFIP three point two three. We know, and we know that Tampa Bay plays good defense. So I mean, that's going to help him anyway. Mm-hmm. But like I said, right now I might have to hand it to Morton, but Cole just has the underlying numbers that he's going to improve. Out of the three, he's got the lowest left on base percentage. He's got the highest BABIP. It's just the home runs that are killing him yeah. as far as his ERA goes. But if he can get that ERA below three and strike out 250 guys, and like, you know, I think Cole can win it. But as of right now, I. I think I'd have to hand it to Morton. Yeah. But Lance Lynn, I just want to mention Lance Lynn because mm-hmm. Lance Lynn actually leads AL starters in war. He's got a 3.91 ERA. And I just don't see that one. That. <laughs> That's yeah. just not. I mean, I know ERA, like I said, ERA is not the be all end all. And obviously it's a dying stat, kind of like batting average. But. I'm sorry if you have a 3.9. This just doesn't cut it. Nah, First yeah, yeah. Old no, board. no <laughs> so, I agree. You know, so yeah, those are my guys. I I would say Morton right now, but I think Cole's going to win it. And then in the National League, Ryu right now, and Ryu and Scherzer are neck and neck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So for AL, uh, it was a two-person race for me. If I'm calling it right now. I couldn't condone giving it to Garrett Cole for mid-season uh, award just because of his, like you said, his the amount of home runs he's giving up. Over the course of time at the end of the season, I, he definitely is going to improve, and I could definitely see him, see him win it. But if I'm calling it right now, I'm giving it to Lucas Giolito. Uh, I mean, this guy's improved insanely. Not that that even matters for the award, but it's just important to bring it up. Last year, he was 10-13 and 13 with a 6-1-3 ERA. Like, if you have that ERA as a starter, he pitched over 30 games. That's just – there was something wrong. And he really put in a lot of work to fix whatever was wrong. His walk rate is way down. His strikeout rate is through the roof. It was 6.5 Ks per nine last year up to 10.8 Ks per nine this year. He gave up 1.4 home runs per nine last year down to 0.8 this year. And his hits per nine is down by about two and a half hits too. So, I he – did something in the offseason. He's doing something right. He's got 11 wins right now, which I think is tied for the uh, American League lead with um, – who is it? Is it Mike Miner? Let me see. Oh, this is going to bother me. I don't have yeah, I think it might be Miner. It's yeah. either Miner or Lynn. I think it's Miner, yeah. Yeah. One of the Rangers pictures. Let's see. One of them's 11 and four. I think it might be Lance Lynn is 11 yeah, and four. Yeah, Miner's got eight wins. So, yeah, he, okay. yeah, he's tied with Lance Lynn, so – yeah. Lynn for the uh, AL lead in wins right now, 11 and 2, uh, 272 ERA. He's got 3.7 war right now, and his whip is uh, 1.021, which is very good. Uh, I don't know if he's out. I mean, everything suggests that he's outperforming right, his numbers right now, but if he can somewhat stick to what he's doing right now, then. I could see him when taking home the award. Like his strikeout rate is high. It's not as high as Garrett Cole's, but no, but nobody's strikeout rate is at least among starters. So, I mean, Giolito's just doing it all right right now. He's got two complete games this year, which leads the American League, which is kind of an unfortunate stat. 
because that just shows how much the times have changed. But he's pitching. Uh, how do I say it? Like, I was watching early on MLB breakdown. He's got a short arm delivery. He like short arms his throws. That makes it so hard for hitters to read what he's throwing, and it's very really impressive. But I'm worried that it's gonna. He's not gonna be able to maintain like how he's throwing, and I I can't really describe it because I can't show a video or something. But where most pitchers will extend their arm fully to throw, he like short arms his throw. And it's really working for him this year, but it could become a problem later on in his career. It, uh, but right now he's dominating. No one can really touch him. And it's a huge change from last year because everybody could touch him. And that's pretty impressive to me to see how, how much of a difference he's made. Another guy that you could probably throw in the race is Justin Verlander. I mean, he's got a zero eight one three whip right now, which is very low that uh especially for a starter that's super impressive he's striking out 11 guys per nine he's only giving up 5.4 hits per nine and uh i don't know he's doing everything right too so i'd say it's a four-person race right now i'd order it giolito morton verlander cole as of now but if i had to make a prediction on who's going to take home the award i'd agree with johnny and say garrett cole's going to end up being the cy young award winner for the al and for the NL, for the sake of argument, because I agree that Ryu is having a dominant season and, you know, there's nothing like how he's pitching right now. But for the sake of argument, I am going to go Max Scherzer. Um, some, something tells me that Ryu, if the Dodgers were without Ryu, they would be doing better off than the Nationals would if they were without Scherzer. I think Scherzer's a little more valuable to his team because he's just that dominant ace. Ryu has Ryu hasn't been that dominant ace before, and they were still fine when he was just pitching average or slightly above average. If the Nationals lost Scherzer's production, they would not be sniffing a wild card spot right now. And uh, he, I mean, Scherzer's doing it already, striking out twelve point five per nine, only walking one point six. His hits per nine is actually higher than it's been in his entire tenure with the Nationals at seven point four right now, and. I think he's kind of actually underperforming how he's doing right now. So I could see him even improving on what he was on how he's doing now because he started the season a little bit rocky. So he's kind of trying to work back from that. But uh, it's really just a two-person race for me in the in the NL. I, there's a couple people who are close, but between Scherzer and Ryu, I would just give it to Scherzer. All right. So I would for my NL. NL Cy Young, I'd probably go with Scherzer as well. I've been like, I just think, you know, it's kind of hard not to at this point. He's just been having a, such a good first half. I know Ryu, Ryu has been having such a, he's been having a really impressive season, as you guys mentioned. You know, you said all the stats and everything, but I just, right now, if I was going to call out for like the first half, I'd say Scherzer, but obviously Ryu, if he keeps it up, he'll, I think he'll end up winning it and maybe kind of an upset. But at the end, but we'll see what happens. But right now, I'll, I'm going to say Scherzer, and then going and then with the AL, I would actually go with. I think I was actually going to go with Verlander, as you said. You know, he's got the .83 WHIP right now, and he's he's up he's up there with the strikeout to walk ratio, and he's also he also leads the league right now with uh, home home runs per nine with uh, 5.2. That was from 
I think yesterday, which I, I don't know if it if I changed since I mean his, that was from his last start, so I don't know if it changed or not. So it was five point two before his last start. But then yeah, those are my guys, Verlander and Scherzer right now at you know, for mid season. But obviously it can all, all those things can change, you know, it's only the first half of the season and a lot of things will end up changing and I'll you know, change my mind about it. But See, it's going to be exciting for sure. These race, these uh, award races are going to be exciting to watch. You know what's insane about Verlander is that I was reading something today. He he's given up twenty six home runs already this year, and he yeah. le- he basically leads the league in hits per nine. Hmm. Like it's so weird when he gets hit, like he goes over the fence. <laughs> it's so odd. Yeah. He's he's such an anomaly, Verlander. You know, we talk about that sometimes. Like, you know, guys just outperform. They just consistently outperform. And I think Verlander is one of them. I mean, yes, he has impeccable control. And he throws hard. And he's, you know, he knows his stuff. And he strikes out a lot of guys and everything. But it's so weird that he can get put. But Scherzer's like that, too. I mean, you look at last year. You know, Scherzer gave up like 20-something home runs. Where DeGrom only gave up 10. Yeah. You know, Scherzer is in that same mold somewhat. Mm You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna give up a home run, you know, I'd like to know how many of those twenty six home runs Verlander gave up were solo shots. Yeah. Yeah. Because he doesn't walk anybody and he doesn't give him any hits. So I would guess it's just interesting. Yeah. It's just interesting that he, he gets hit by the home run bug on a consistent basis too. I mean, because Verlander and Scherz are both like they they give up home runs. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of times that's what hurts Scherzer is the sense that he'll lose games two to nothing because he gave yeah. him two, two solo home runs. Oh, look mm-hmm. at opening day this year. He lost two nothing to DeGrom, and the first run was Robbie Cano at a home run off him in the first inning. Yeah. But, I remember you know that. what I mean? Like, that's, that's a Scherzer game. He still struck out like 12. But, I mean, you know, that's, those are the type of games that Scherzer and Verlander both have. Kind of mm-hmm. weird. Yeah. Yeah. And to, to your point, about solo home runs, he's only had 26 home runs, 42 earned runs all year. So, I mean, <laughs> he's there's no way he's given up like more than four or five home runs that were not solo shots. I mean, he's yeah. giving up runs in other ways, obviously. So, I mean, he That's gives crazy. up home runs at the right moment, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, he just keeps everyone else off base. Yeah. So when he makes a mistake and it's hit over the fence, oh, well, that's one run. Yeah. <laughs> that's all you're getting. You know, that, I mean, that's basically the way it goes. It's crazy. Exactly. And another guy I wanted to throw in there for, you know, kind of a dark horse right now for the National League is Luis Castillo, who's been having a really good uh, first half. Right now he's 8-3 with a 2-2-9 ERA, 124 strikeouts, and he's also – only giving up a 169 batting average against right now, so and that leads the league. So he's he's definitely in the race right now. I think he he'll probably he's probably like the fourth. I think he's the fourth guy in the list right now for me. Yeah. So he's he'll definitely be in the race. The uh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just gonna say the thing that worries me about about Ryu is that Ryu's not a big strikeout guy. Mm-hmm. Ryu likes pitching the contact. I mean, that's how he gets it done and you know that works for some people works for pe- pitchers like Zach Britton 
uh, gives up like 70% ground balls. But for a starter like that, I don't really love that he's not a huge strikeout guy just because the fact that if he does make mistakes when he's trying to get contact, that ball is going to go a long way probably. So that's what leads me to think he's overperforming right now because, Mm A, he's never pitched this good before in his life, and, B, there's just no way that – I well, I shouldn't say there's no way because he's doing it right now, but I don't see a way that he's going to be able to maintain this if he's not striking guys out. If he's willing to uh, give up contact, you know, it better be soft contact. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I'd like to see, take a look because I was big. I was a big. I had a big thing this year about all these fantasy people talking about Blake Snell mm-hmm. after last season. Yeah, and I was like, "You got to look at. You got to look at this stuff because he's not going to have that good a year. Obviously, we're yeah. going to have a sub two ERA. I mean, we're not talking about Clayton Kershaw until he proves it. But yeah. in the AL East, I was like, "Look, Snell." You're looking at like a three something ERA. When I was telling people that in the beginning of the year, that Snell is probably going to have like a 3.2, 3.3, they were saying like his ERA is going to go up over a, a whole run. And I was like, yeah. I was like, do you think this guy is going to have like a two something ERA? No, it's not going to happen. Because you looked at his, you looked at his peripherals. Yes, Snell has strikeout stuff, no doubt. But left on base percentage is a huge thing for me. Mm-hmm. Because it it normalizes it's it's almost like Babbitt, in a sense, where it normalizes. Blake Snell led the American League. Yeah, I think he led major leagues. He had an eighty eight left percent left on base percentage last year. Eighty eight. Yeah. That's unsustainable. That's, yeah. Major league average is seventy five mm-hmm. for starters. Yeah. That, that so eighty eight is just out of control. If you oh, took yeah. eight away, if you took eight percent of that. And I looked at this. If you took 8% of that and gave him 80, which is still 5% above, above league average, he would have had a 2.65 ERA last year. So if yeah. you look at some regression, plus even if you're giving him an 80% left on base rate, you're talking about a low three ERA. But no one yeah. wanted to listen to me in the beginning of the year, and then people would draft a Blake Snell in the first round. <laughs> so, exactly. Well, there you go. Now he's got a five ERA. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, I don't. <laughs> but Ryu, I just bring that up because Ryu is similar to that. Although Ryu had a pretty good year last year, even in only 15 starts, he had a pretty good year last year. And yes, he does pitch the contact, but he doesn't walk anybody. Yeah. I mean, 10 walks in 100 innings this year, that's, that's pretty good. I mean, you know, right. he's got a point eight walk per nine, yeah, which is insane. And these, you know, this day and age, that's unheard. He's got, and that's that's what leads me to believe that he can pitch to soft contract because soft contact because his control and command is so good. He will limit the hard contact that yeah. he gives up. So, yes, Ryu, Ryu is this year's Blake Snell to a point a little different of obviously different of a pitcher, but if, if Ryu winds up with a sub two ERA this year, I wouldn't count on it next year, depending on his left on base percentage and stuff like that. But, mm-hmm. but I see what you're saying. That's the only reason I bought up Blake Snell. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Similar. Yeah. I want to uh, just real quick when we were doing our, like our preseason award picks, uh, I'm going to, 
just make myself look bad now because my AL Cy Young, it was kind of a dark horse, but it was Mike Clevenger. That hasn't gone well, mainly because of injury. Uh, And my NL, another injury, was Jamison Tyon. Mm. So that has not gone well. Next year, I think I'm going to go with the more obvious picks rather than (laughs) trying to go dark horse. But uh, yeah, that was a little rough. And then for MVP, I think I did pick Trout. And then for NL, though, I tried to be real dark horse and go Juan Soto. And Juan Soto has been good, but definitely not MVP. Mm. So next year. Yeah, I oh, think I forget. we're going to have to look Steve. back on that because I forget who I picked. I think I went Chalk, though. I think I went Bauer and Scherzer for uh, Cy Young's. I think, it yeah. went, I think it went Verlander and I might. I think it went Scherzer, too. I don't know. Yeah, I think it went Chalk on that one pretty then, much. Um, for rookie – oh, we're getting the rookie of the year, so yeah. we'll see that. Yeah, so we can go into that now, though, if you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, good segue. Yeah. So, <laughs> Yeah, so with for the AL, uh, you know, even with all the hype around Vlad Jr., there's right now there's pretty much a clear favorite. Obviously, right now with uh, Brandon Lau of the Rays. Aha. Uh-huh. So I don't know. think. So. <laughs> I mean, like even uh, you know, Vlad Jr. There's all this hype. He, you know, he's been struggling this year, but uh, Lau, he's he's had a really good. Really good rookie season so far. Uh, yeah. And let's see his numbers. Uh, two, right now his batting average is uh, 271. Uh, 276, actually. And he's got a 339 on base percentage, 862 OPS. And he also has 16 home runs, 49 RBIs. So and then you know obviously the uh, the next closest would probably be Michael Ch- Chavis of the Red Sox, who has he's not too far behind. I think it's a pretty tight race between the two of them right now. Uh, Chavis Chavis has been he struggled a little bit there, but he kind of picked it up again of late. So I definitely go with that t- those two for for the AL. Mm-hmm. And then with the NL, I think the clear favorite is uh, definitely Pete Alonso. You know, I mean, what else? Who else is there besides, you know, Tatis Jr., he's probably close by, but he also had injuries. He had a, he went through, he missed a little bit of time with an injury. So, you know, Alonzo's got uh, 20, 29 home runs right now. And, you know, he's, he's definitely been having such a good season. As soon as he, you know, got the call to the Mets at the beginning of the season, he's been just on a tear and – not really anybody else you can have that's really that close to him right now for, for the rookie of the year. Yeah. Uh, if we're, are you, uh, do you want yeah. me to go? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, If we're talking about, I'm going to talk about the AL more than the NL because I'm just going to be boring for the NL and pick Pete Alonso because it's really not close. No. But uh, Tatis, I think if he played more, like I love Tatis. He's been one of my favorite players this year just because of how aggressive he is on the base paths and how just, He's such an electrifying player to watch. And I'm just going to give credit to Mike Soroka for the Braves, too. I mean, that's just always going to go overlooked because of Pete Alonso. Yeah. Uh, one guy that I actually – I said I wasn't going to talk about the NL that much. But one guy that I would actually put in second right now, though, is Brian Reynolds for the Pirates. Mm, yeah. um, he flies under the radar so much. And this was a good call-up, and a, he's been playing great this year. 
Reynolds, he's been in a little bit of a tailspin the last few days, but he's hitting 338 with six home runs, 29 RBIs. He's got 405 uh, OBP, 923 OPS, 142 OPS plus. Uh, just like a week ago, he was hitting 360, so he's slumping a little bit towards the as we get closer to the All Star break. But people aren't really talking about him for the rookie of the year and rightfully because Pete Alonso is going to win if he keeps it up but Brian Reynolds is a name that should be remembered I mean he's been he's been very good and for the AL there's a few guys I want to talk about for who I'm going to give it for the win right now uh, it would be Brandon Lau Brandon Lau is hitting uh, better than everyone right now and you know Alex already went over his stats but another guy that I would probably put in second over Chavis is John Means for the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, I mean, this guy going into the season, like this is why it's so hard to make rookie of the year predictions because you never know who's going to be good and who's just going to blow. So like John Means, he's seven and four with a 2.5 ERA right now. Uh, Definitely the best pitcher in the Orioles rotation. It's really not that close. He's got one 1.077 whip. Only 69 strikeouts in 82 innings, so he's not a huge strikeout guy, 7.5 per nine. Uh, he doesn't walk many people either, 2.4 per nine, and he limits the home run ball. Uh, you know, he's an all-star this year, and rightfully. I don't know when he got named the all-star, but I'm just looking at it now, and I saw that he made the team, which is great. I still don't know how Sonny Gray managed to sneak out the NL team, but um, John Means, yeah, he's definitely the runner-up for me right now. Michael Chavis, he's he has a problem with the high fastball. He can't hit the high fastball, and he's gonna have to learn how to hit the high fastball. It was kind of the same thing with Aaron Judge, except Judge had more of a. He, he was actually able to make contact with the high fastball. Chavis yeah. just gets like destroyed when it comes to the high fastball. Like I would throw him that pitch every pitch until he made me regret it. And he's mm-hmm. not doing anything with that. He's easily one of the best rookies that I've seen when it comes to hitting breaking balls. Yeah. I'm impressed with how he hits breaking balls, but he can't hit a high fastball, and that's just his his downfall right now. But um, a couple other guys, Jordan Alvarez, I mean, he hasn't played that much, but he's got seven home runs in four, his first 14 games. So he's looking pretty good so far. Uh, I don't think he's going to have enough stats by the end of the year to get him rookie of the year, but he looks like a good player. Uh, I'd even put Eloy Jimenez, uh, Jimenez above Vlad Jr. right now. Just, It's kind of a close race, but they're both of them are disappointing a little bit. I forget which one of them I picked for my Rookie of the Year pick. I think it was Vlad. But. And then uh, Oscar Mercado for the Indians. He's got a 307 batting average. He's slugging 464. I mean, he's, not gonna, he's another guy that's just not going to get it, but he seems to come up clutch for the Indians. And finally, this, this one would be like, He's not going to win it at all, but I just have to give him recognition. Is Marcus Walden for the Red Sox? I mean, he's 30 years old, 30-year-old rookies. I kind of love seeing that. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to look at his updated stats here. Because uh, over the last – I'm trying to see if he's pitched in the last few days. I have his stats from a few days ago. Yeah, he did. Uh, oh, geez, he must have had a bad outing. He's 6-1 and one with a 3-7-4 ERA. Last time I – when I actually wrote him down, he was six and zero with a two seven two. So, you know, maybe write his name off the list. But he's still pitching well for a thirty year old rookie. There's a lot of competition in the AL right now, but it's probably gonna go to Brandon Lau. Well, I'm gonna bring up a name in the AL that neither one of you guys mentioned. Oh, Dan Vogelbach. 
Oh, geez, yeah. Dan Vogelbach, all right. He has he's been incredible this year. He's twenty home runs. People forget he's a rookie because yeah. he played last year and he played the year before. Like, but he barely played. He's actually he actually had less. He's actually still has rookie status. Yeah, because of the plate appearances. And he's been incredible this year. 18% walk rate, only a 22.5 strikeout rate. Compared to Brandon Lau, who's got 7.2 walk rate, 33.9 strikeout rate. Yeah. Chavis strikes out about the same amount, 32.9. Vogelbach compared to Lau, WRC is 139 to 128. And the thing I don't like about Lau is that he's got a 381 BABIP, which... I can see falling off. I mean, yes, we're talking about midseason awards, so I get it and everything. But even at midseason, Vogelbach's got more home runs. I mean, the overall F war goes slightly to Lau. Mm-hmm. It's uh, 2.8, 3.6. But I still think Vogelbach is – he's a much better hitter at this point. Yeah, I and I think he's getting he's getting way obviously he's getting way overlooked because neither one of you guys mentioned him. I'm not I'm not gonna lie, I kind of forgot he was a rookie. Yeah, because yeah. he played the last two years. I, yeah, should have brought yeah. that up. Me too. I yeah, think. he only had 104 plate appearances last year, and he only had about 15 for the Cubs like a couple of years ago. Like he he hasn't played. He still technically has rookie status. So he's like kind of like that guy, you know, Marcus Walden. You were talking about thirty-year-old rookie. Well, Vogelbach's not thirty, but he's like a twenty-seven-year-old rookie. Yeah. So I just want to bring him up. I picked him up in a bunch of my fantasy leagues yeah. earlier in the year, so I mean that's why I wanted to. I wanted to blow him up a little bit. Yeah. But I still think, like looking at the stats and everything, I would give it to Vogelbach right now. The walk to strikeout rate is incredible. And the fact that he's got a 254 Babbitt and Lau has a 381 it just tells yeah. me that, you know, things are going to. Now, granted, Volgaback's a power hitting left hander, hits the ball in the air a lot. His Babbitt is not going to be much over 250, 260. So, I mean, you know, whatever. <laughs> so, I'm yeah. not expecting that to go up. I'm expecting Lau's to go down a little bit, though. Because it's not like Brandon Lau is like a speed demon. Where he's yeah. going to have like a 360 Babbitt from the left hand side or something like that. Like, you know, so I expect that to go down a bit. Mm-hmm. As far as the NL goes, I, you got to give it to Pete Alonso at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tatis could definitely challenge him. And I like the mention of Brian Reynolds because I think Brian Reynolds has been definitely under the radar. He plays in Pittsburgh, so you'd expect yeah. that. But I mean, Alonso's just been, I mean, 29 home runs. We were just talking about Yelich and Bellinger with 31 and 30. Yeah, exactly. and this dude's a rookie on a bad team. Yeah. Like you know, so I mean, you know, at, at least Bellinger and Yelich play on like in good lineups. Like yeah. Alonzo, Alonzo's been carrying that lineup as a rookie from like day one, it, which is incredible. Tatis, I agree with you. He's like electrifying player. You know, was it twelve home runs, thirteen stolen bases? I mean, plays a premium position. Tags up on you know to second. Yeah, yeah, he's just like, yeah, I saw that. He's just ridiculous. But another thing I look at, like we said about Babip, Tati says a 429 Babip. You know, that's not lasting. Right. No way. So that's the league's going to catch up to him a little bit, you know, and everything like that. I mean, it's close as far as WRC 
WSA Plus, Alonzo's got 161, Tatis is 158. They both have the exact same Woba, 411. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they've been comparable. It's just the fact that, you know, Alonzo's played 30 more games, 35 more games yeah. than Tatis has. But going forward, if Tatis can keep it going, which I don't think he will to this at this rate, but if he can keep it going, he's going to make it a fight. But, I mean, I think Alonzo, you know, you mentioned Aaron Judge the other day, uh, yes, uh, before. Yeah. And I think Pete Alonzo is having that, having that Aaron Judge, like, rookie year. Like, mm-hmm. Judge hit 52 home runs. I could see Pete Alonzo doing that. He's yeah. 29 already. Yeah. What's well, to say he can't hit 50? You know? So, mm-hmm. something like that. I think it would definitely put him over the edge. So I'd give it to Alonzo in the National League. Yeah. Yeah. Another award I wanted to talk about was the uh, AL. I mean, the managers of the year. And for start off uh, for the AL, I think it's probably a, a two guy race right now between Aaron Boone of the Yankees and Rocco Baldelli of uh, your twins, Johnny. Yeah. And I. <laughs> Right now, I even like obviously I'm a Yankees fan, but but I right now I'd give it a slight edge to Aaron Boone just because they've had you know all these injuries and he's been able to piece together that team and keep them like now with the best record in the majors right ahead of the Dodgers and you know he's with all these injuries that have had they've been able to just continue to play at such a high level and I, just the way he's been able to manage them is just crazy like. You know, who'd have thought Gio or Shella was going to end up being like this stud? Like, obviously, it, like he's he put him in the lineup, and, and then just all of a sudden, just took off, and now all these other guys he puts in with, in the bullpen. He gets he's a pretty good bullpen manager, so he he definitely makes the right moves and gets puts the right guys in that can, you know, shut the door on the opposing team. So, yeah. And then with the with Baldelli, you know the Twins. I, nobody expected them to be playing so good this year, and then he's been able to, you know, have them playing such, such at such a high level. So, you know, he's. I think that'll definitely be a close race there too cause between those two between those two managers. Mm-hmm. You want to go, Gio, or you want yeah. me to go? Oh, oh, I thought he was doing nationally. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I could go NL too. Um, yeah. I mean, it's kind of tough with the NL. I'm not really sure who who's gonna who's kind of Mickey gonna Callaway. I, yeah, Mickey Callaway yeah. is. I guess he's the anti-manager of the year. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, speaking of the Mets, though, too. Uh, Van Wagen, he threw like a. Well, why do I keep saying his name wrong? Van. Bro- I always say his name wrong. Van Broden. Yeah. He threw it. They had a press conference. I think it was yesterday, or not a press conference. It was a meeting between the between him and Callaway and the other coaches. And he at the end of the meeting, he like threw a chair, like it was like a tense thing that happened. And then like I don't know, like yeah, he literally threw threw a chair. I don't know if it was like at Callaway or somebody, or just he just got really heated and just threw a chair like in the in the room. That's professional. Yeah, and you know it's. Just crazy. Office it's just crazy how, how the Mets are just like, it seems like there's no, like they don't even like blame anyone for it or anything. 
It's just like it just happened. It's fine. Yeah. There was a disaster. There was a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, dumpster fire. Yeah. Uh I think the the leader right now uh would probably I think it would probably be the for it would be Tory Lavor of the Diamondbacks. Just like they've been able to save Tampa here. You know, after even after trading Goldsmith and losing Corbin and Pollock to free agency, they've they've still kind of been able to stay afloat. Obviously, with the Dodgers, they're not going to come close to them, but they've still been able to kind of stay in contention for the for a wild card. Mm-hmm. So they, I think he's the leader right now for that. Yeah, uh, some Diamondbacks fans would disagree with you there. I was on their subreddit the other day, and they're all trash talking Lavoa. I'm like, I don't, I don't really know why. I don't watch every Diamondbacks game, but I guess it's bullpen management or something. That's Marcos. Would you, yeah. That's yeah, Marcos. <laughs> He's the Diamondbacks guy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think some people don't understand that manager of the year doesn't just mean you pick the manager whose team has the best record. So, like, I'm not going to give it to Dave Roberts for the uh, mm. NL because he's just got a really good team and he should be fired if he wasn't doing as good as he was doing. Yeah. So, I would actually – NL is really tough for me. Like, like Laval is a good pick. I just – I don't even know if the Diamondbacks are going to make a wild card spot, so I'm not going to give it to him. I think Joe Madden's kind of uh, kind of underperforming as a manager. They're as, as a team, they're underperforming right now, at least not enough to – for him to win manager of the year. That whole division actually is kind of underperforming. I expected that to be a more high leverage division where it was closer, but they're all, all three, actually all five teams are underperforming. So actually the Reds are probably doing the best and they're only like four and a half games out of first. So yeah, it's that, that division's anyone's division. So I can't give it to anyone there. I would actually probably go Brian Snicker for the Braves. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of skewed in the NL right now. I would give it to him just because personally, I didn't think the Braves should do as good as they're doing right now just because of their pitching and their bullpen. And sure. He hasn't been the best bullpen manager this year, but I think he's leading his team better than most NL managers right now, but I can't really pick a good one in the NL, but for the AL, I'm going to give it to Rocco Baldelli. Uh, I expected the Yankees to be good this year. And it is the injuries thing that is uh, leaving, leading people to pick Boone. And I could totally see Boone. I'm kind of just doing this for the sake of arguing because Baldelli, his team isn't as stacked as the Yankees are. You know, going into the season, who knew how good Jorge Polanco would do or how good of a signing Jonathan Scope would be or all this stuff. You know, everybody's performing well, and I think it's because they have good chemistry in the, in the clubhouse. The pitchers are pitching well. Martin Perez and Michael Pineda have not been a bad four and five at all. Uh, they they actually, I believe they're second or third in starting pitcher ERA in the league. And uh, that's the only person in that rotation that's kind of disappointed me is Kyle Gibson. But it's everything's kind of meshing. They've got a bullpen of guys that you probably don't know who they are if I say their name, like Tyler Duffy or Ryan Harper. But they're doing their jobs. And, uh, you know, they don't have – if you look on paper at the beginning of the year, I'd say that team is – actually, I called them to win the division, but I'd say that this team is going to be 10 games over 500. You know, they're 
going to outperform that just because of how good they're meshing right now. They have the most home runs in baseball. So, I don't know. Uh, something's in the water in Minnesota right now. And um, I think Baldelli's got something to do with it. I would agree with that, Gio. And as a Twins fan, definitely. I mean, they, you know, they, I give the front office a lot of credit for bringing some of these guys in, but they brought in some guys last year that didn't, that just didn't work. Yeah. We still had Maurer there. And while I love Joe Maurer and he's an icon in Minnesota, he's been on a downturn in the past couple of years, you know, and that for a small market team like Minnesota, that contract was an albatross. Yeah. 23 million a year. You know, it wasn't, you know, that would have been fine if he was still a go glove catcher. But, right. you know, that wasn't, that hasn't been the case for a long time. Um, bringing in someone like Nelson Cruz was a huge signing. You know, not just for his production because the dude is ageless, but also for the impact he has on, especially the Latino players like Rosario and Polanco and guys like yeah. that. Max Kepler's turnaround this year, mm-hmm. you know, his uh, he finally started hitting lefties again, you know, like stuff like that. And I think Baldelli, you know what it is? The reason I give it to Baldelli over Boone, and I understand the Yankees, yes, on paper, but, of course, the paper lineup, you know, was missing seven guys <laughs> rather yeah. than the nine that you thought was starting. But you know what it is? It's the culture. Mm-hmm. It's the culture of winning. And the Yankees have had a winning record for, what, 20 years in a row now? It's the Yankees. Uh-huh. The Twins aren't like that. They yeah. need to bring someone in to put what, what Falvey and those guys and Thad Levine, like at the top of the food chain there in Minnesota, what they put together. They needed a guy in the trenches like Baldelli to get this chemistry and get this culture working. And I think it's working. Like you said, the chemistry is working. And I think the culture, the fact that they signed Kepler – for five years to sign Polanco for five years before they even hit free agency. Team friendly deals. Yeah, well, definitely team friendly deals. Obviously, Polanco's making five to six million dollars a year. I mean, yeah. the dude, the dude right now is probably like the third best shortstop in the AL. But I mean, just saying, like the culture of it. I think the fact that Baldelli has brought that into the clubhouse, and they feel like they can win and they could beat anyone now. Yeah, and I I think that's a big deal. I mean, granted, the division stinks. I get that, and it's unfortunate for the Indians because they've had so many injuries. Yeah. And Kluber with a broken arm, Clevenger was hurt, came back, got hurt again. Like you know, a Carrasco now with leukemia of all things. Yeah, like you know, yeah. it's just you know, it's sad. I mean, it really is. Like I like I said, like we said before with Skaggs and everything like that. Like this has been a horrible week for baseball. <laughs> It I mean, really yeah, it, it, that's just horrible. But I mean, as far as the on the field stuff, I mean, it, it, it's kind of amazing what the Indians are doing. The fact that they're over 500 with that was their strength. You know, they miss Lindor for the first half for the first month of the season. They, Jose Ramirez, Jose Ramirez has been crap. I mean, they're lucky they have Carlos Santana back. Yeah, I know. You know, and for their pitching staff, which was supposed to be their. They had the best rotation on paper, like we say, in the beginning. Of the season. They had the best rotation one through five in baseball. Yeah. Basically. And they were missing three of them. Yep. And Bauer Bauer was like up and down in the beginning of the year, too. 
Yeah. You know, Bieber stepped up and everything, but Please, I mean, Zach and Police Act, Zach Police Act, but I mean, I give, we're talking about manager of the year. I'll give it to Baldelli, but my favorite manager in the major leagues that I've, I've said this for a long time, even though we never managed for my team, is Tito Francona. Oh yeah, Tito's Tito's awesome. Tito is awesome, and I think he deserves a lot of credit. I mean, if the Indians win a wild card with all their injuries too, I you know, I I just love Tito though. But I'll give it to Baldelli. As far as the National League, I'd have to agree with Atlanta because I I thought Atlanta was going to fall off this year. I think their pitching would take a step back, which it has. Soroka's yeah. pitch. Stepped up, you know, and stuff. I mean, Freeman is Freeman. You know, Acuna is Acuna. Albie is doing his thing. You know, they have the lineup. But I I think it's going to come down. Right now, I'd give it to Snicker because they're leading the division. Mm-hmm. Like you said before, you can't give it to Dave Roberts. Dodgers right. are the Dodgers. You know, I wouldn't give it to him. And as far as Madden or Council, like for the Cubs or Brewers, who are basically tied for, for – the rest of the division is so close too; it's hard to call. I'd have to say by the end of the year, um, I'm going to give a little shout out to Dave Martinez for the Nationals because they started. They're always favored. They're always looking, and they were actually my pick to go to the World Series. All right, Mine t- uh, they were my pick to win but the division at least. I picked them to actually win the National League. I think I picked them to win the World Series, believe it or not, but. Yeah, I did. I picked them to win the World Series. You have mean, to, after they get rid of Bryce Harper, they go win on, the World Series. <laughs> on paper, man. They look good. But let's put it this way. Now, the Nationals started off 19-31 and 31 in their first 50 games. People were like, well, here we go. It's the same old Nationals. Martinez game. They're 27-11 and 11 since then. Yeah. So if Martinez can start off those first 50 games like that, that basically first third of the season – and he can get this team to win that division. Uh, that uh, that wins it for me. So I think it's a wait and see type thing. Right now, it's probably Snicker because they are winning the NL East in what we thought was going to be a tough NL East, aside from the Marlins. But whoever wins that NL East, I think either Kapler or Snicker or Martinez. I think we'll win. I think we'll win the manager of the year. Yeah, you know, you know who I like as a manager, and you know they're in unfortunate circumstances with their team right now. But um, uh, Brandon Hyde for the Orioles, he's he seems like he knows what he's doing in there. Like, I, who would want to manage the Orioles at this point? Yeah, so, like, well, he's, he, it's not his fault that they're terrible. They're just a bad no, team. No, they don't have any pitching. Except John Means, and who knew that was going to be a thing? And their lineup consists of like, if if you showed someone who is just a Trey Mancini like, and eight of the guys, yep, yeah, exactly, yeah. basically, exactly. Like, <laughs> Trey Mancini, maybe some people know who Renato Nunez is, but probably not. And, yeah. yeah, the rest of the team and the bullpen, I probably, I mean, I could name a couple guys, but most people probably couldn't. So there's just a terrible team, but. One thing I like about him is he always sticks up for his players. He's gotten thrown out of games like a few, quite a few times already this year. And, you know, that's one of my favorite traits about managers, not like willing to get 
thrown out of a game, hopefully not in important circumstances, but to defend your players. And he just – the culture in Baltimore, although how bad they are, it doesn't seem like the culture is terrible right now. And I think Hyde's a big part of that. So, I mean, once that team actually gets some pieces – then they could be at, and I I would I'll give them like five or six years to be good, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's gonna be a little while, yeah, especially in that division. And I uh, I just did an article about the Marlins. I think the Marlins are playoff contenders in two years because of how good their pitching is. Yeah, Jordan, I like that article. Jordan Yamamoto, thank you. Jordan Yamamoto has been. Only four starts so far, but he's got like a one point two something ERA, and he's three and zero. So he is looking really good. And then you got guys like Zach Gallen, who's supposed to be good. He's pitched mediocre so far. You've got uh, Sandy Alcantara, the Marlins' lone All Star, which I don't know how they picked him over uh, a couple other guys, but they did. Yeah. So there's him. There's Trevor Richards, who's you know I feel like he's got a lot of potential. And then Caleb Smith, who I think should have been the all-star pick, but he was injured. So there's just – and then there's a lot of guys in the farm system. They got Sixto Sanchez from uh, the Phillies in the JT Real Muto trade. Yeah. And uh, guys Pablo like Eliezer Hernandez. Yeah, Pablo – that's who I was thinking of. Pablo Lopez. Yeah, another guy. Eliezer yeah. Hernandez. Like, I said in the yeah. article, they need to trade some of this pitching for bats because they have too many starting pitchers for the future, and they have not enough bats. If you look at their uh, – top prospects they've got maybe three or four guys who are gonna come up and hit for them in the next three or four years and a cup and a, i'm not sure about some of their production so they're gonna need to make some moves when it comes to free agency and trading for some bats in that lineup yeah i agree with that i was a great article Jo, definitely and i agree with you i think i mean that's where you start out the starting pitching i mean they're going about it that way this is the way atlanta went about it you know, you look at rebuilding teams, and Atlanta went about it that way because they traded. They traded for Sean Newcomb. They traded for Mike Fultonavich. They traded for these. They drafted guys like Kyle Wright, Mike Soroka. You know, the Cubs and Astros went about it the other way. Yeah, they drafted hitters. The Cubs drafted Ian Happ, Eloy Jimenez, Javi Baez, Chris Bryant. You know, they went all hitting and spent the money on free agent pitching. Yeah. Well, they had Kyle Hendricks and everything, but they spent the money on John Lester, John Lackey, Cole Hamels, guys like that. Same thing with the Astros. They traded for or spent the money for Cole Verlander, but they drafted Correa, Altuve, Tucker, Jordan Alvarez. Like, So we'll see. There's two different ways to go about it. Now, the Cubs have won a World Series, and the Astros won it the year after that. Yeah. We'll see how this works out for Atlanta and Miami. You know, right. if Atlanta can make it to get it to a World Series and win it, then you see that that could work too. But I think you have to load up on one side mm-hmm. because then you can trade those players. You know, they do they do kind of the same thing in football. Yeah, the mentality in football is you pay for one side, draft another. So right. you pay for offense, or you and you draft defense, or vice versa. Right. You know, you pay for that pass rusher, that lockdown corner, but you'll draft if you have your quarterback who's pretty good on a rookie deal and you can mix and match your running backs and get a wide receiver or a tight end that play, you know, stuff like that. Or right. vice versa. You pay for the playmakers like a wide receiver and a running back 
and then you draft like DBs and stuff. So it, it's, it's similar that way. Just just mention it because different organizations go about it different ways, and we'll see right. how it all worked out. Like I said, it worked out for the Cubs, and then the following year it worked out for the Astros. So right. we'll see how Atlanta and Miami pull this off. I think Atlanta's done a little bit better of a job getting hitters in that lineup. But uh, the yes. thing is with Atlanta, they, they have a couple – they're a couple of years ahead of the Marlins because uh, they started their pitching rebuild like, what, two years ago? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so a couple of years ago. Two right, just yeah. starting now. Yeah, the Marlins have a lot of homegrown talent, and they're just kind of starting that now. They're not um, – they they're not ahead of the game. They haven't had time to get the bats to get some guys from the international pool and stuff. But like, the Braves have gotten guys like Acuna and then Ozzy Albies who needs to fire his agent after that terrible oh my god contract. But they and then they've got guys Freddie Freeman. They just go out and sign Josh Donaldson who's underperformed a little bit, but he's got the power still. So they they put a good team together. Yeah, they definitely have. I they, they surprised me a little bit this year. Yeah. So far. Right. Yeah. I, Did you hear about the whole thing, thing with Odebell Herrera? Yeah, the suspension uh, for yeah. domestic violence. For the re- yeah. Suspended for the rest of the year, mm-hmm. domestic violence thing. Yeah. I hate to see that yeah. from a player. It's just like that's just going to be a black mark on his career for ever and yeah. just his life in general. Like that's mm-hmm. not Yeah. Not something you want. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't read the whole story, so I don't know the whole story about it, so I don't want to comment too much on it, but I just right, I, I thought I'd come by before. I'm like, just, uh man. Mm-hmm. I know. When, they, when will these guys learn? Yeah, so thank you for listening to another brand new episode of Too Much Podtar, as this was our, you know, go, going over the first half, the midseason awards, you know, so that was good to go over what our picks were for those. And there will also be another episode coming out today as well at the same time for our predictions for the second half of, you know, who we think is going to win the divisions, wild cards, and who, what what's going to happen in the playoffs. So that's going to be – so take a listen to that too. If you're listening to this, listen to the, that episode afterwards. And if you're listening to the, the that one first – then obviously you don't have to listen to it. So, but yeah, listen to both episodes. And as a reminder, you can find find our Twitter at too much pod tar or at pod underscore tar. Our Instagram at too much pod tar. And we'll be that's where we post uh, some previews to our episodes and when reminders of when the episodes are out. And you can find all of our Scorecrow articles on the Scorecrow.com. And we post them all on, you know, on Twitter at the Scorecrow and Instagram at the Scorecrow and Facebook, the Scorecrow. And also the new, as I mentioned on previous episodes, our new Facebook group is the Scorecrow Sports Group and our subreddit, Scorecrow Sports Group. Where we post our articles and allow other people to post whatever articles they've written or anything else. But yeah, as a reminder, you can have too, never have too much pod tar. Join us next time.